the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast for our Group of Five Deep Dive. I'm your host, Mike Calabrese, and the Jared Stearns to my Jared Dillard. That, of course, is Mike Ionello joining us for the Conference USA preview, as well as a special guest, Brett McMurphy. Let me get a question to you quick here, Brett, right off the top. Any chance that Conference USA just goes away? Because it seems like teams can't wait to leave, and the pieces geographically are all over the place, and they're clearly at the bottom of the pecking order for the G5. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it perfectly. They're at the bottom of the pecking order. And if there's any movement above them, it's all going to trickle down to them and schools will move up to conferences that pay more with their meteorites. So long term, yeah, it's going to be tough for Conference USA because they don't have the TV revenue of the other leagues in the group of five. And it's unfortunate. I hate this. I hate college realignment. But certainly when you see what happened with the Big Ten, what happened with the SEC, We're going to have super mega conferences, and then the other group of fives will filter up. If I had to guess, I'd say the next 10 years, there probably is not a Conference USA. I don't like that, but that's the reality. Money talks, and they just don't have a lot of money. One follow-up question there. Is there any chance in terms of these contracts with the actual cable providers or a streaming network that Conference USA could go ahead and try to align themselves with a Sunbelt, even for just like a portion, bundling themselves in some way? Is there any way for them to make themselves more attractive as a TV real estate property? I mean, that's a great idea, but realistically, no, because if you're the Sunbelt, you value yourself more valuable than Conference USA. So what do you benefit by pairing up with Conference USA? You're pairing up below you. So it would bring the Sunbelt value down, if you will. Uh, it would be great if Conference USA could do that. I just don't see any incentive for the Sunbelt doing that, especially with them, you know, basically taking three Conference USA teams for this year, plus James Madison. Well, we're going to go ahead and start with the very top of the conference with UAB. Their win total set at eight and a half. They are plus 185 to win Conference USA in terms of their S&P plus projection offensively and defensively 63rd on the offensive side of the ball 44th defensively and this has been a Bill Clark rebuild unfortunately Bill Clark won't be able to see it all the way through he steps away from the program Bryant Vincent is now the new head coach replacing Clark he was the former OC and quarterback coach and when you look at this team they're still very similar to the previous you know um, previous teams that we've seen on the field in terms of they have a great running game Dwayne McBride is a bell cow he's back seven starters on defense. If there was ever a time with a transition going on for a cushy non-conference schedule, this is it. They get Alabama A&M at Liberty, Georgia Southern, and they spread out that one challenging punching up moment against LSU late in November. So they can get plenty of positive momentum right out of the gate. I'm going to go to you, Ionello. What are your thoughts on UAB being the you know odds on favor, quote unquote, here in Conference USA and their win total set at eight and a half? Yeah, I agree with it. They stood out as probably the best team in the conference. I actually do 
like this over. Um, as you mentioned, their non-con is very easy. Um, they get UTSA at home late in the year. And, and you mentioned they bring back their starting quarterback, their starting running back, their best receiver. They bring back four offensive linemen. Their secondary is nasty and brings back everyone. They have, you know, their safeties are great. Their corners are great. They were 16th in total defense last year. Dylan Hopkins, I thought, did really well down the stretch. He didn't really take over until like week four, I think was his first start. You know, 18 touchdowns, just seven picks. He's got an absolute cannon. They just elevated the OC. So you you would assume that they can keep it going. I probably won't bet them to win the conference just because I don't think there's much value in that number. But given how easy their non-con is, I do like UAB and I do like that over eight and a half. And just quickly, you mentioned having their best wide receiver back, Trey Shropshire. It was a great win. And I love it when the small schools can actually retain their guys. I think he like dipped a toe in the transfer portal and was like, no, I'm going to come back. That's a huge win for them. He's somebody that is pretty much irreplaceable, you know, year over year. They're not going to be able to plug and play. So to have him back in the fold, I think is a huge get. And then I agree, plus 185. Why am I going to tie up my money for five months when I can probably just, you know, wait and play them down the stretch? There's lots of different ways that you can extract more or less the same value with a different time horizon. Um, quick question for you, Brett. Do you have any particular stories from UAB? Is it a team you like to cover or break stories on? You know, look, I like UAB, even with Brian Vincent, what he's done with the Blazers the past few years, best offensive season three years ago. I'll look at a sandwich spot with UAB. Sandwiches. 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 November 19th at LSU. If you talked about UAB gets off to that strong start, if they start undefeated, they possibly could be in the running for a group of five New Year's Six game. And you look at what LSU has. They're coming off consecutive games against Alabama and Arkansas. Then they play UAB. Then they close the regular season against Texas A&M. That could be a potential sandwich spot. I would certainly look at the Blazers. Should be getting a ton of points. Sandwiches. All right, now turning our attention to a podcast favorite, University of Texas at San Antonio. Go Roadrunners. Meet Meep. I'm excited about this team, even though this is a group of five podcasts. I'm not a believer in that. Hey, you run the table. Why aren't you in the college football playoff conversation? That just should never be the case. It's, it's got to be based on who you beat, where you play them. It really comes down to scheduling. It's one of my beliefs. I, I, I can't help myself on Twitter. I get in arguments about this all the time. College football has a scheduling problem. In some cases, it's self-inflicted. In other cases, you know, you get a little bit too big for your britches and you don't want to play, you know, two games on the, on the road in a three-game series, something like that. There's lots of different reasons why these games don't get scheduled. But UTSA, when you look at the beginning of their season, kind of tailor-made for national attention. They get Houston at home. How big is that? That's like, that's like a G5 kickoff classic right away. I think it should have tons of attention, even though it's in week one up against some of the other major games. Two really quality teams that won a ton of games last year, both over 10 wins. Then they're at Army and then at Texas which I believe is right after they play Alabama. So talk about a letdown spot. One way or the other, Texas wins that game. They can't be focused on UTSA. If they get their doors blown off, then they got to deal with all of the Texas's back jokes for an entire week. I think this sets up when you look at what the Roadrunners bring back for potentially a hot start and to get themselves firmly implanted into the, the New Year's Six automatic birth conversation. Frank Harris is back. Talk about a guy who went from being a potential liability to an asset in one year. I mean, he was just so good last year. His three leading wide receivers are back, headlined by Zachary Franklin. They bring in a Juco All-American and Ty Edwards to try to replace Sincere McCormick. They're beat up in the spring, so there weren't a lot of backs getting touches, but they're going to have a pretty deep running back room. 
They also have four returning starters on the O-line. And their defense, even though they have some new pieces to work in, they have experience returning on all three levels. So I'm very excited about this team. Their win total set at eight. They're two to one to win Conference USA. SP Plus has them 37th on offense, 91st on defense. I think the offense, to be honest, I think this is a little bit overinflated about just how good Sincere McCormick was. And he was great, but I do think that Ty Edwards has a chance to replace 90% of his production. And if he does that and the the quarterback play from Harris remains at this level, I think they are my pick, at least to win Conference USA. And I think they're going to split the the Houston and Texas games against Burnt Orange. How many Roadrunner fans do you think are going to show up in Austin? I think that's a, a really fun opportunity for them. I think they're going to play up in that game. So I'm going to see them going two and one out of the gate. What are your thoughts on them, Lionella? I'm high on them as well. I think, you know, obviously we loved them last year. Meep, meep all day. I agree. I think they're in the in the conference title game again against UAB. I'm a little more worried about the non-con because I wouldn't be shocked if UTSA starts one and two. Like you mentioned it, you know, Frank Harris went from, uh, okay, just give the ball to McCormick and get out of the way to now. I mean, he's probably the best quarterback in this conference. It's all the weapons back. Rashad Wisdom is probably the best defender in this conference. He's he's back again. He's one of those do-it-all center fielder safeties that flies around, makes tackles, gets involved in the passing game. So I am I'm bullish on UTSA again. They're another team that I will be rooting for and probably betting on week to week. But I don't have anything in them as far as preseason goes. Their their non-con just scares me enough to to stay away the win total. I see this question up for Brett. Uh, Jeff Trailer, nineteen and seven in his two years at UTSA. Clearly, he's, he's done a great job in terms of program building. Have you heard any buzz? Did he turn any offers down? Was there any, you know, <laughs> situations where he had to track the, the flight number or anything like that? And I know they're trying to keep him long term. He's got to come into the next hiring cycle as one of the top G5 names. Yeah, you're right. He had some school sniffing around. UTSA stepped up and got him a new contract. But I think that just delays the inevitable. When you're having that six, much success that he has, People are going to come along that are going to pay you more money. It's unfortunate, but that's the way college football works. And I know you guys talked about the Texas game, the Houston games. Look, they could ruin two teams' seasons. Houston has a shot to get to the New Year's Six game. Certainly, they've got to go undefeated and on conference. And if they beat Texas, Texas will want to fire Sark a second after that game's over. I love this sandwich spot for UTSA. They're getting them the week after Alabama, the Sark saving reunion. That'll be played up. And then Texas, the following week, opens Big 12 play against Texas Tech. And these are the strangest-looking sandwiches I've ever seen. However, why I don't love it so much, UTSA is coming off Army. I talked to Dave Dorn of Wake Forest at ACC Media Day, specifically about playing Army. He told me, Brett, the week after we play Army, we have more injuries than we do against any other team on our schedule. A lot of cut blocks, defensive line, a lot of guys are banged up. But certainly if they have any kind of success this year, nothing against meet meet, but I'd be very surprised if Trailer is still around in, in 2023. He's just that good of a coach, and I expect a lot of turnover in the Power 5 level this year. And now we turn to the home of Nappy Roots, the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. The Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, the pride of the Commonwealth. Oh no, hell no, boy. Y'all up and done it. Oh no, hell no, boy. Y'all up and done it.
Western Kentucky sitting at 8.5 on their win total, minus 130 to the under, 5-1 to one to win Conference USA, 30th in SP plus on offense, 96 on defense. For me, I'm just going to get this out of the way immediately. This is a Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair moment where I'm about to say I'm sorry before killing these guys, but I loved you. Zach Kitley's gone. Bailey Zappi's gone. Jarrett Dagey is no Bailey Zappi. I know that they have some interesting pieces at wide receiver, but this defense was really bad last year, and I would be shocked if they cracked the top 100 defensively. Now, it's going to be masked early on by the fact that week zero, they play Austin P at Hawaii, at Indiana, Auburn late in the season, so they're not going to get exposed by an SEC team lose by 40 early. It's going to be a team that potentially could be treading water through September. And then I want to hammer them when they get to Conference USA, because I just do not think that they have the offense to keep up. I understand that they have continuity at the very top, you know, with their head coach, but Kitley, it was magic. And now he's in Lubbock. He's in Texas Tech. Bailey's gone. This is it. I mean, there's no real pillars of last year's aerial attack that made them so special and so fun to root for. Is this a team you're going to stay away from for sentimental reasons? Or are you going to join me in fading the Hilltoppers, Ionello? Uh I hate it. I love this under. I I absolutely love this under. I hate to do it. I'm wearing my Zappy shirt. But you said it. This under is out of respect for Bailey Zappy because he's gone. Kaylee's gone. Their top two running backs are gone. Their top two receivers are gone. Jared Dagey's this is what, like his seventh year playing college football. The idea of having an offense that is predicated on Jared Dagey throwing the ball 50 times a game is terrifying. And at the end of the day, as much as you know, no one loved Western Kentucky more than you and me. Their win total is at eight and a half. They only won eight regular season games last year. You're telling me this team is going to win more games than last year's team? They're on their third straight season with a new defensive coordinator. Their defense, you mentioned it, wasn't good last year. Yeah, you know, they start with Austin P at Hawaii, but then they go to at Indiana, who beat them last year. We, we don't know what Indiana's going to be. Late in the season, they play at Auburn, at FAU, at UTSA, at Charlotte. There's no way I think this team wins more games than last year's team did. So if you're going to give me eight and a half, I have to take the under. We'll always have last year, guys, but I'm going under. Any reason to, to buck the trend here, Brett, or are you also going to get in on hashtag fade the toppers? After last year and Bailey Zappi and not winning a Conference USA title, I've got to go against them. You know, as Mike mentioned, third straight year, you've got a new defensive coordinator. I talked with Joey McGuire, Texas Tech's coach about Zach Keatley. He obviously was a big fan of the Hilltoppers last year and it was impressed. That's why he hired Keatley. I just think there's too many losses and you, you nailed it perfectly. If they had nine wins last year, how in the world are they going to match that issue with all the losses? I don't see it happening. All right, we're going to jump quickly to, there's a bunch of middling teams here. We'll see if we can pull out one that maybe we like as a dark horse. FAU set at six and a half for their win total over is uh, minus 120 on the juice, 10 to one to win conference USA. Pretty bad on both sides of the ball, at least by S&P plus projections, 91st on offense, 98th on defense. I still think they could be decent. You know, Nikosi Perry has been there in the, at least the college football ranks forever. He brings back his number one offensive weapon, LeJonte Wester, and a promising offensive line. The schedule's not doing them any favors, to be honest, though. You know, they start with Charlotte. They're at Ohio. They get UCF to, on the 17th, and then they're at Purdue in the non-conference. I think they could get beat up. And this was a team that it was the opposite last year. They got off to a hot start, but they lost their last four when they were right on the precipice of bowl eligibility. So maybe we see, you know, a role reversal here. People selling quickly on the owls under Willie Taggart. 
I, they're at least a stay away from me in the month of September, just because I think they have experience, but there's a lot of new offensive line pieces, even though they have some experience there, they got to be really good in that element of the game in the trenches, because if they're not, Nikosi Perry is not a guy who's going to make big plays under pressure constantly. So uh, it's, it's fair to say this is a wait and see situation, but do you have any hot takes on the owls right out of the gate? Ionella? No, they're a stay away from me too. You mentioned it. Nikosi Perry is one of those guys where like every now and again, he'll make a play that you're like, Oh, that's why he was at Miami. And then the next quarter he'll make a play that you're like, how the hell is this guy even playing football? Defense should be solid again. Their front sevens should, should still be pretty good, but they do have some holes on defense to fill falling off last year at the end is always a concern. I like to back teams that ended the year strong versus just, you know, losing four straight games. They lost to middle Tennessee at the end of the year. Like that, that, that shouldn't be happening to FAU. So let me tee up a question for you, Brett. In terms of Taggart, obviously he's headed into year three here. He's 10 and 11. This is somebody who was one of the hottest rising stars in coaching, took his Gulf Coast offense up to Eugene, then comes back to Florida State. What's the best way forward for him, even if he's just treading water or worst case, he gets fired from this program. Just should he go back as a coordinator? Should he try to show off as a star recruiter? What's his way back up the coaching mountain? Because it seems as though this is one of the most dramatic falls from grace that I can remember for a coach that, you know, if you close your eyes five years ago, he was in the conversation with a lot of top jobs. Obviously he wants to remain a head coach. I mean, I think the situation he got put in at Florida state, he wasn't given enough time to do anything. Uh, people would question, well, you shouldn't have left Oregon after one year, but, Florida State. He grew up in, in Bradenton, Florida. Florida State was his dream job. He just didn't have enough time to uh, fulfill that. The optimistic way to look at it is when he was at Western Kentucky, when he was at USF, he was in some bad situations and he was able to turn that around. Can he do that at Florida Atlantic? We'll have to see. I think he's content being at Florida Atlantic. I think he likes being at that level. But if he gets back to winning like he did at USF, like he did at Western Kentucky, will he have an opportunity to go back to a Power Five? Um, I don't know necessarily if he would take it. I think he's happy there, but certainly uh, he needs to be more successful. But you look at his track record, when he's had the time at the other programs, he's been able to turn around. Uh, I was literally texting with some some sources in Conference USA asking you know, their opinions on some dark horses. Florida Atlantic's the first team they told me. They said the talent and depth they've had there, uh, they could be a dark horse. I'm not expecting him to win it, but I would keep an eye on, keep an eye on the Owls this year. So we're going to switch it up a little bit here. As I mentioned, there's a bunch of teams in the middle that potentially, you know, could pop. But what I'd like to do is offer three teams. You tell me which one you like the best. We'll run through LaTeX, North Texas, UTEP, all in that 12 to 15 to 1 range to win the conference. LaTeX has 14 returning starters. The, the tidbit that I'll throw in here, I love when there's a rising coordinator that comes up from the FCS level. Scott Power was an amazing defensive coordinator at Stephen F. Austin, always top 20 units. So I anticipate you know, them potentially improving by leaps and bounds on that side of the ball. North Texas, their win total at six, as I mentioned, 15 to one to win Conference USA. Seth Luttrell has been around for a long time. I mean, he broke through that trick play against Arkansas and their upset win on the punt return. It looked like he was going to be one of those guys to take a stepping stone job from North Texas up to the power five level. It didn't materialize for him, but this team can really run the ball. They returned four or five starters on the offensive line and they won five straight to end the regular season in 2021. Uh, also in terms of a, a potential breakout candidate, Tom Treeb, 
Juco All-American, 25 tackles for loss last year. So even though they're 88th in projected defensive efficiency, I could see them being a little bit better on that side of the ball. And then finally, a team that's been close to our heart. We head out to West Texas. You know who we're talking about. We're talking Minor Nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. The UTEP Miners. A lot of familiar faces back. We've got Hardison. we got Awat in the backfield. Veteran line. Entire front seven back for Bradley Dale Pavito defense. They finished 35th in total defense last year. And what I love as a gambler, they did exactly what they were supposed to. They beat the teams they were supposed to beat, and they were competitive and lost to the teams they weren't supposed to beat. So very reliable, not a high-variance team. They do lose Jacob Cowing to Arizona, which hurts because he was their only big play guy. But they do get both New Mexico schools in the non-conference. So that's the Lobos and the Aggies. Of this three-pack INLO, and feel free to answer multiple if you feel strongly, but LaTeX, North Texas, and UTEP, who do you like there? No real feel on LaTeX. They're a pass for me. I do like UTEP. I do like their over. Um, obviously, they lose Jacob Cowing to Arizona is a big loss, but they bring in Juco transfer Kelly Akari. Gavin Hardison's back. He's in their third year. He's gotten better each year. So their defense should be really good again. They return their entire front six. They need to replace wide receivers and cornerbacks. But other than that, you know, I, I do think the schedule is pretty manageable. So I do like the UTEP over. I feel like this is going to be a fun conference because obviously UAB and UTSA, I feel like are, are pretty much in a tier of their own. You can make a case that there's seven teams that could finish anywhere from like five to seven wins. So I think there's going to be a lot of toss-up games, which allows me to kind of take more dart throws on conference futures because if one of those two big dogs slips up you know if frank harris gets hurt if if bill clark leaving really up you know upends uab any of these teams could be positioned to play in that conference championship game now with with no divisions so i'm going to throw a dart here and i'm going to throw a dart with the mean green of north texas you know they've always been kind of a throw it around team and they really switched to a run first approach towards the end of the year with DeAndre Torrey. Obviously, he leaves, but they still return three freshman running backs who all had six touchdowns last, at least five touchdowns last year, Ragsdale, Adai, and Isaiah Johnson. On top of that, they bring back Oscar Attaway, who was their leading rusher in 2020, I believe, and then he tore his ACL in spring camp last year. So they are super deaf at running back. They bring back their leading receiver from last year, Roderick Burns. They bring back Jire Shorter, who is another you know highly touted wide receiver who got a season and injury week three. Um, you mentioned the defense bringing in some depth. Katie Davis led the whole conference in tackles last year. He's nasty at linebacker. So for me, with with North Texas, it really comes down to Austin Onee, their quarterback, who he, he's he's the Brandon Whedon where he turns 29 in September. He spent six years as a Yankees minor league prospect. He was an outfielder in the Yankees system. Good arm. Um, and he, you know, he, he definitely struggles with turnovers, but he shows the talent, the arm talent. He has a cannon and you'd hope a 29 year old <laughs> can, you know, mature and, and be a team leader and, and cut down on some of those turnovers. Um, I believe it was Fandle maybe had a uh, plus 2000 to win the conference. So in, in a conference that we mentioned is so wide open. I'll take a dart though on, on this team that just, they know how to run the ball. They return four offensive line stars. So I think they have so many good pieces in part. If their quarterback can just cut down on the turnovers, 
and one of the top two falls. I think the mean green are in a good position to kind of take a step forward. What do you think here, Brett, between Lotsack, North Texas and UTEP? Um, there's, as a group, it's clear that there's some half teams here and they're going to be carried by one unit. But, you know, are you somebody who feels comfortable with either of these or any of these teams at these price points? Because as Ionello alluded to, if you shop around, you can get a 12 or 15 to one team at 20 to one. And then all of a sudden it, it kind of changes the arithmetic on it. Austin Ani, obviously the starting quarterback, North Texas. I think he turns 49 this year, not 29, but I'll check my sources on that. And then also he's in a quarterback battle right now with one of the greatest Texas quarterback names of all time. Transfer from Abilene Christian, Stone Earl. Also, as far as Seth Luttrell, look, he was going to get fired last year. There was no doubt about that. What did he do? North Texas closed with five consecutive wins, saved his job. Now I think he uses that to build momentum. And yeah, I like North Texas as a long shot. I love the mean green. All right, going from some teams that, depending on how you view it, you could view it optimistically to two teams that I think potentially are headed in the wrong direction. Rick Stockstill enters his 17th year in Murfreesboro, leading the Blue Raiders of Middle Tennessee. They only have eight returning starters, and they got some problems with the schedule. At James Madison, James Madison's very first game at the FBS level, a proud, dominant FCS school. You know that's going to be a wild sellout. Then they go to Colorado State, which we alluded to in the previous Mountain West podcast, as a team that could be very dangerous offensively. They're at Miami, Florida as well, all in the month of September. When you look at their win total at five, they're 15-1 to one to win Conference USA. I'm going under. I'm totally passing on them as a quote-unquote long shot. 102nd in projected offensive efficiency, 99th in defense. I'm very, very low on the Blue Raiders here. Is there anything I'm missing in terms of you know having optimism for a team that, yes, went to the Bahamas Bowl, beat a good Toledo team, but not many of those players are back? What are your thoughts, Ionello? I'm not going to bet the under probably, but they're definitely a stay away from me. They're another one of those teams that's like, they played four different quarterbacks last year, large, you know, some due to injury, large, some due to just, they all weren't very good. You know, Bailey Hockman had a lot of, you know, promise coming in from North Carolina or NC state, uh, just left the program after week three. We don't even know why that happened. Uh, Chase Cunningham appears like he'll be the starter, I would assume, uh, but he got hurt. We, he tore his ACL week nine last year. Reports out of campus, he's expected to be ready for the start of the season. But again, you know, tearing your ACL in, in November, who knows what he'll be, especially early on in the year. They only returned one offensive line starter. The defense was not, you know, completely anemic last year, but a lot of that was they led the country in turnovers. So how much of that can you attribute to turnover luck or how much of it was just, you know, yeah, they, they definitely play that aggressive style, but you can't bank on your team leading the country in defensive touchdowns again. So I definitely agree with you that they're, they're a stay away from me. And, and if not, you know, you, you lean to them for them to take a step back. I can't see this team bowling again. Before getting to the absolute dregs of Conference USA, I'm going to change the tenor a bit and bring up one of your favorite teams to discuss, INLO, and that's Charlotte, Club Lit. It's Will Healy, head coach of Charlotte. How much do you miss Club Lit? I am missing Club Lit a lot. Been working extremely hard on my dad bod, so look forward to being able to be back in there. A newly renovated Club Lit. Four and a half for their win total here. 30 to one to win Conference USA. 56th on offense, respectable in SP Plus projections. 130th on defense. So Chris Reynolds, now a six-year senior, playing forever you know what you're going to get with him his three top pass catchers are back 
four offensive linemen. The defense that was already really bad is breaking in six new starters. Um, not a team that I'm going to really mess with all season, I don't think, just because their defense potentially could give up 50-plus points any game that they you know roll the footballs out. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on the 49ers? Is it a team that is just uh, a sentimental favorite for you, one of your better upset calls in the beginning of the podcast last year? Where are you on Charlotte? Play the music. Club lit. We're firing it back up. Over four and a half. Give it to me. Chris Reynolds is back at the helm. He's another one that's been in college football for 10 years. He's already the school's all-time passing leader. He, I love him. He's this short, little, stocky quarterback, but he is a gamer. They bring back their top running backs, all three of their top running backs. They bring back their top three receivers. You know, Victor Tucker, Tucker's been a guy we've loved. We saw Grant Dubois. He kind of had that big breakout game against Duke. Um, Elijah Spencer was the Conference USA freshman of the year. He's back at receiver. They have a solid tight end. Sure, does the defense concern me a little bit? Maybe, but they had co-defensive coordinators last year. Did not work. Got rid of them both. Greg Brown, they bring in. He's a veteran. He's been coaching football since 1981. He spent 12 years in the NFL as a DB coach. He's DB coach for Purdue the last two years. And they're really just overhauling this defense, completely overhauling their coverage schemes. Their win total is four and a half. And if you look at this schedule, all right, so they start with floor at Florida Atlantic, probably a loss. William and Mary at home. Then they go to Maryland, bet that over. I don't care what it is, over 89 and a half. Give me that over. But they get, you know, FIU, which should be a win. They go at Rice, which should be a win. And then they finish the year with the Western Kentucky, Middle Tennessee, La Tech, all those kind of middle teams. We talked about all the toss-up games in here. So if I can sit there and circle three, you know, pretty confident wins between UTEP, Western Kentucky, Middle Tennessee, La Tech, they got to win two of those to hit this win total over. So I love Will Healy. I love what he's done. I love how much the offense brings back. I'm going with the 49ers. Club lit is going to be bouncing at least five times this year. Unfortunately, we lose Brett McMurphy. News never sleeps. I think Chad uh, Chad Millman's face is now a silhouette up in the sky, our own bat signal. So he has to step away. But hopefully that means that there's some interesting stories to be broken here in the college football landscape very soon. So INLO, it's back to us. Just a, a two-man pod, no problem. We can carry it home. We can discuss Rice and FIU if we have to hold our nose. I can deal with it. Rice, the Owls, two and a half for their win total, minus 140 to the over, 100 to one to win Conference USA, uh, 127th on offense, 120th in SP plus defensive projections. Mike Bloomgren, you know, you shouldn't be buying any green bananas here. You got to win at least, I'll say, four this season to, you know, have your services retained year over year. Here's a fun fact about his program. He started 14 quarterbacks in the last four years. Not a recipe for his success. They could be okay offensively this year. They do return four on the offensive line. Dean Connors comes in from the, the junior college ranks to help what's actually a pretty decent running back room. But the non-con is brutal at USC, home against Louisiana, at Houston. It's really not going to help them build any momentum in the month of September. But overall, I think this number is a little bit low. I think you can you can see that by the minus 140 juice on the over. Um, and then we'll just hop to FIU and you can give me your thoughts on, on these two dregs of Conference USA. You know, FIU brings in Mike McIntyre, and it's pretty rare to see a former national coach of the year in Conference USA. He's done a great job in previous stops. He won that, you know, the Bobby Dodd and Eddie Robinson Awards at Colorado. But he's back now. He doesn't have much to work with, only five returning starters. So total rebuild, 113th on the offensive side of the ball for the projections, 131st on defense. It's an FIU team that is just really, really bad. Now, the thing about it, though, is early on, 
they get Bryant at home, you know, not to, not to be messed around with those NEC conference teams at Texas state, at Texas States, and then October 1st at New Mexico state. And then they even get UConn on October 8th. So I understand the three and a half, one game better than Rice, even though in terms of all the projections, both sides of the ball are going to be worse. Another team where I'm, I'm pulling for them to get those wins so that when they slide into that game in mid-October against UTSA as probably, we'll call it a three-touchdown underdog, I'm going to slam the Roadrunners in that spot. I want a hot start for the Golden Panthers, and then I just want to fade them. What are your thoughts on Rice and FIU? Rice is two and a half for their win total, and it's juice minus 140 to the over. So FanDuel and DraftKings actually have it at three and a half juice to the under. Uh, DraftKings is minus 130 to the under. It's a little tempting because I don't know how that team gets to four wins because they're bad. They're going to be bad again. You mentioned that they've played 700 different quarterbacks, one of whom is now their starting wide receiver. So, you know, we'll see how that's when you, when the reports of camp are like, oh, Luke McCaffrey is going to take take this conference by storm. It's like, well, he's been a quarterback for the last like four years. And there's a reason that he didn't work there and no one wanted to move him to wide receiver. Wiley Green projected starter but he started last year and then lost his job he's battling with tj mcmahon who played well in the last game of the year last year but again it's like why didn't he play the rest of the season if i can get that three and a half i may think about that under florida international you know two and a half three flat depending on where you look they're another one where i really don't have any interest in playing whatsoever when butch davis got fired last year didn't he like go scorched earth on the way out and be like they don't give a shit about football or winning at all and like basically just eviscerated the entire staff now they bring in Memphis's defensive coordinator. Pretty sure Memphis's defense was pretty bad last year. So I don't know that that's exactly inspiring conference. Gunnar Holmberg, another Duke, you know, maybe you get the, the Duke transfer that throws a million interceptions and drops down to the G5 and, and all of a sudden is not a turnover machine. Maybe that, that helps. But both these teams are really bad. I would lean under on the Rice three and a half, but they're both going to be bad. And they're, they're, they're what gives me hope for the Charlotte overs because Charlotte plays them both. Just a... A little fun fact for any fans who are like, you know what, Ionello, you're making a lot of good points on Rice, three and a half, I want to go under, but just go ahead and use a free multiplier, just parlay it with Arkansas State under five, because there's no chance Arkansas State is winning more than five games this year. So that's the free one I'm tagging on to all of my preseason bets, just to, you know, flip the number around in my favor. Yeah, I, I think you did a great job summing it up. These teams don't have a lot of promise right now. And there's plenty of teams in the middle of Conference USA if things go right, they're winning seven or eight games, which means somebody's got to do the Lord's work and just rack up those Conference USA conference losses so that all, all the math works out. Somebody's got to lose these games. I think we're staring dead at them here because offensively, both of them are going to be really challenged to move the football and score and be explosive. And all. it doesn't even matter the metrics you're looking at. Like the eyeball tests, they're going to be bad on offense. All right, so just to recap quick, you know, my best bets for Conference USA, I'm taking that dart throw with North Texas plus 2,000 to win the conference. Love how they fit in kind of that middle of the pack. If a couple of things break their way, I could see them coming up from the flames. I hate to do it. Love the Western Kentucky eight and a half, but I also really like the UTEP over five and a half. And then my, honestly, my best bet's probably that Charlotte four and a half. I love Charlotte. So I love what they're bring back on offense. If the defense can be halfway decent, I think this will be a fun team. For my best bets for Comfort USA, I'm locked in at the soft, cushy middle of this conference where some teams may be lying in wait. Going to go with Middle Tennessee, under five. They return just eight starters. They have a very difficult September schedule. I think they're going to get burns, and this could be one of the most challenging seasons of the Rick Stockstill era, which goes way back to the mid-aughts. And then for 
a long shot, you got to shop around a little bit. You get them 15 to one, 20 to one, depending on the book. UTEP Miners, they got a great defense. Again, their, their front six is really strong. Lots of veteran players in the two deep and starting quarterbacks back in Hardison, a lot as their bell cow. I think if they can find a way, even if it's, you know, collectively with two or three receivers to replace Cowing's production, I think UTEP is going to be a thorn in the side of many teams. And at 20 to one, we'll enroll the dice. For Mike Gianello, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been the Big Bets on Campus podcast, our Group of Five deep dive. We are three-fifths of the way through our G5 preview, which means that we are going to welcome Stucky into the fold, and he's going to help us with the AAC and the MAC, the beloved MAC, before we're all done. So that's going to come in the, the coming week. We'll be done all of our G5 previews by August 8th. So be sure to check your feeds subscribe, like, share with a friend, share with an enemy. You know what to do. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the program.